Well, howdy, my name is Pastor Landon and welcome to Real Men at Real Faith. We are so glad you're jumping on to join us right now. If you are a men's group that gathers somewhere in the country, in the world. We'd love to hear your story. You can email hello at realfaith.com. If this content's helpful, we'd love to hear your group story. We had a group the other week come out from the East Coast. They flew all the way to Arizona because it's much better to be in Arizona right now than the East Coast. The East Coast sucks. Best Coast, West Coast. Just kidding, we're not on the coast. But they came out, they brought their whole men's group and their men's group, uh, three of their guys got baptized. It was so, so, so cool. So special to share that with them and to know that real men makes an impact in their lives. We're hoping it makes an impact in your life. And if you're a senior pastor of a church and you want to come check out Real Men, see how we do it, see how we bring this many men together every week. There's like 300 plus men gathering together, talking about Jesus and growing to be better, stronger men together. Um, if you want to hear how we do it, you can you can email us, hello at realfaith.com, and you can come out, uh, come check it out with us. We'll tour you around Trinity Church. We'll tell you our secret sauce, and uh, we'll get you introduced to a lot of good men, and uh, we'd love to meet you. I'd love to meet you. Pastor Mark would love to meet you, uh, and I'll buy you some dinner. So come on out. We'd uh, love to have you. So uh, with that, we are getting to the best part of the day. Real Men, The Talk. Uh, I'd encourage you guys to like, comment, subscribe, share, smash it, smash it, smash it, because we want a lot of people hearing about Jesus, and that's the way you can help us defeat the algorithm demons. Um, so hop on, get ready. Real Men, up next. Best night of the week, best place to be, best guys to be with, amen? Hey, welcome to Real Men. We're honored to have you. Thanks for all the guys in the room. Thanks for the individual men, the groups and the churches now around the country and world that are joining us every week. It's kind of a thing, gentlemen, and it's an honor to see you. And uh, my name's Pastor Mark, and if you're new, uh, what we do, we talk about some practical things in the life of guys. And we're doing a little series, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for Regular Guys. And so the big idea is God pours into you, and then you can pour out into your job, into your marriage, into your kids, into your community, into our church family. And you guys all just came from work. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna talk about your work. We're gonna talk about how God goes to work with you and how God has a plan for your work. And so at the end, you can share kind of what your job is. Uh, we've all had some weird jobs. A little bit about me. My first job was not a Christian. I lied about my age. I falsified my birth certificate. I worked as a clerk at a 7-Eleven next to a strip club down the street from an airport, and I was 15. So I was carting guys to buy alcohol and cigarettes and lotto tickets, and they were older than me. But I had the same voice and I could grow a beard at 15. So that was my first job. And uh, my second job, I worked at a couple of hotels. I was a longshoreman for a while in high school. And then uh, I was a journalist. And then I ran a, a bookstore and a theological section. And, uh, and now lo and behold, I've got two jobs. We've got Trinity Church and I've got a ministry called Real Faith. So I've got two organizations that I'm the president of. I'm blessed, I love my job. And I love seeing you guys on Wednesday night. This is my favorite night of the week. I look forward to this every single week and it's such a blessing that I get to do what God created me to do and we want you to find what God has created you to do and we want you to find joy in doing it. And so what we're gonna talk about is work and Sabbath. And work is what you do and if you're a young man, write this down, get a job, okay? So we're gonna talk about this. But work is what you do six days a week, Sabbath is what you do one day a week. We're gonna unpack all of this. And what happens is some guys, they're a lot better at Sabbath. Now, if you're a 25 year old guy and you grew up you know, in this environment, you probably are all about Sabbath. 
If you're an older guy, you got a wife, you got kids, you got a mortgage, you're probably all about work. And what happens is most men are either better at work or they're better at Sabbath. Just to take a bit of a poll, how many of you, uh, if you were gonna err, you would err working too much, too long, too hard till you fried yourself, burned yourself out, okay? We would ask you guys who are good at Sabbath and don't work enough to raise your hand, but that would burn a calorie, require effort. We're not gonna ask, we're not gonna ask that of you, that kind of effort. For me, um, I would have the tendency of overworking. My dad was a union drywaller, construction worker. I saw my dad literally break his back to feed five kids in our household. I will always honor my dad for his work ethic. And so I learned at a very young age uh, that men work and you're not a man unless you're working. And so my tendency would be to overwork and to burn out. And so what can happen though is you can work yourself to the point where if you don't take a break, you break. And, and we're all gonna get a Sabbath. A Sabbath is a break or a ceasing from work. And if you don't take a break, you break. You get sick, you get injured, you go to the hospital, you have a heart attack, you have a panic attack. Mentally, you just sort of melt down. We call that a midlife crisis. So the goal is to take a break so that you don't break. And uh, in some cultures, they literally work themselves to death. Uh, there's, a, there's a phrase in Japan, they call it karoshi, it's literally dying on the job. That culture, people would work such long, hard hours that they would literally work themselves to death. And whether it was at the desk or the factory line, they would literally just drop dead at work from work. Well, we want you to work and we want you to Sabbath. And so thankfully, God is our father and we are his sons and God has set up for us the perfect example for the, for the sons to follow the example of the father. So in uh, Genesis, we read that God worked and then God took a day off, took a Sabbath day. And that sets for us a seven day week, six days of work, one day of rest. Certain nations have tried to change this. For example, in the French Revolution and in the Russian Revolution, they tried to have something other than an eight or 10, they tried to have like an eight or 10 day week. And guess what? It failed. And they came back to the conclusion, human beings work best with a seven day week. It's like someone designed it. It's crazy how that works. You give the politicians enough time and eventually they end up agreeing with the Bible. And so the point is that cultures have always had a seven day week. That's just how God is. That's how God made us. That's how we are. So I wanna talk about work and I wanna talk about Sabbath and getting this tension or balance in our life right. Knowing some of you, uh, you're going to work too little and leisure too much. Some of you are gonna work too much and rest too little. We'll start with work. Uh, we'll start with how God created men to work. So Genesis two is before sin enters the world, here's the first man, God is his father. God's giving his son, our father Adam instruction. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to what? To work. God made men to work. And all the dads said, amen. Yeah, God made men to work. Let me just say this, men who don't work aren't men. Right, they're just boys, but they're not men. What happens when you're a boy is somebody else takes care of you. When you become a man, you take care of yourself. Furthermore, when you become a grown man, you take care of somebody else like your wife and kids. And that's through your work. God made men to work. And what this means is much of our dignity as men is found in our 
Hard work. This is why if you're a healthy man, unemployment is a catastrophe. Not just financially, but personally. You're like, I need to do something. This is why even when we shut down the world for COVID, it did not benefit men. Men who can't go to work are not better, they are worse. Men are made to work. And there's something inherently dignified, honoring about a good long hard day's work. How many of you men, you, you work hard and I know you men do, you're good men, you're God's men. But after a long hard day, you come home and there's your wife and there's your kids. It's like, they can depend on me. I'm gonna take care of them. And one of the things I so appreciate about my wife, Grace, she always honored me in front of the children and thanked me for always working hard and providing for the family. My wife never once, I can honestly say this, never once complained about provision. We had some very lean, tough years. And I would come home and she'd be like, thank you for working so hard. Kids, your dad worked so hard to take care of us. Can we all just thank your dad? I felt very honored by my wife in our home. And even when we didn't, we didn't have much, I felt that she had much gratitude for what we did have. And it dignified work for me. Like I'm a man, I'm going to work. I'm going to accomplish some things and I'm going to take care of my family. We honor men who work. Here's the problem with work though, Genesis 3:17. Sin enters the world. Our first father rebels against God, brings sin into all of human history. And God said to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you, a pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So God made us to work before sin entered the world. We have work. I have really crazy good news for you guys. When you raise from the dead and enter into the kingdom of God, you're still gonna have a job. Here's the good news though. You're gonna have a better job. You're gonna have meaningful, valuable, purposeful things to do. And the only thing that'll be missing is the curse. Okay, how much does the curse affect work? Every day, that's what it's saying here. God made us to work and then we rebelled against God. Now creation rebels against us and we're not cursed, but our work is. What this means is work is really hard. True or false? As soon as you get something done, it breaks. Okay, as soon as you make a, a schedule, some supply chain issue is going to mess that up. As soon as you get your cash flow in order, some crisis happens and damages your cash flow. That everything is cursed. Right? Everything you're working on is going to break or fall apart. And you need to know that this is not because God hates you, it's because God loves you. And what happens is as a man is frustrated because what he's working on isn't doing what it's supposed to do, it should humble the man, bring him to his father and the father should then hear from the son, oh, so this is what it's like to have me. I'm a lot of work, I'm always breaking and I don't work according to design. Just as God is always working on us and we're his workmanship, the Bible says, then God gives us a job, we're always working on the job. But the job treats us the way we treat the Lord. That being said, uh, because work is now cursed and hard, there are three different ways that men proceed forward. One, some men see that work is cursed, so they decide, I'm not gonna work. We're gonna talk about those guys in a little bit. Or they do as little work as possible. Number two, because work is cursed, other guys overreact they make work into their religion and they literally throw all of their energy into their job, determined to defeat the curse. But what they do then, they ignore their health, their marriage, their kids. 
How many guys do you know they're winning at work, but they're losing at home. They're winning at work, but they're losing at life. It's because they are determined to emerge every day victorious over their cursed work, but it costs them their life energy, their marriage and their family. The third option is to obey God and trust him to bless you for your obedience. Six days, work hard. One day, rest well. Six days, work hard. One day, rest well. And this is the pattern and precedent that God set. Now, let me talk first about the guys who would be more inclined to not work enough or hard enough, okay? So I'll talk about them and then the guys who are prone to work too much. So the guys who are lazy, um, entitled, um, and unworking, uh, we'll, I'll go to the left, okay? We'll go to the left, okay? So to the left, politically, see where I'm going here. So um, for those of you men who are younger, you don't understand work. And I'll, I'll prove it to you. Here's the latest labor statistics. Uh, I call it, what the NILF? Um, it's a disturbing rise of NILFs, men not in the workforce. In the history of the United States of America, right now, there is the highest percentage of men not employed or seeking employment in our nation's history. Right now, is it pretty easy to find a job? It's very easy, unemployment rates are very low. Everyone is hiring, everyone is hiring. And men have decided I'm not working and I'm not looking for a job anytime soon. This is a cultural catastrophe and crisis. We now have 7 million men ages 25 to 54, not working or looking for work. Seven million. You can't build a civilization, a culture, a nation, an economy on men who are not activated and working and producing. What it means is you have far more consumers than producers. And then you have a whole generation of young men that are going to vote to increase the taxes on men who are working to reallocate wealth, which is stealing. And the result is at some point you run out of other people's money. That's why we now have record national debt and now credit card debt in America has for the first time reached over a trillion dollars. So men are not going to work or working. In addition, they are not generating income, but they're expecting the government to provide for them. And then they're taking out high interest rate credit cards to fund a lifestyle that they don't work for. Making matters worse, they are now moving home with their mother. I call them boys who can shave. Here's from the Pew Research Center. Recent study for the first time in the modern era, living with parents edges out other living arrangements for 18 to 34 year olds. Young men are not working and they're not leaving their parents' home. Just let that emotionally sink in. What happened during COVID, we told young men, don't go to work, it's dangerous. Don't make a plan, the world's coming to an end. Move home with your mother, she'll take care of you. Sit on the couch, watch porn, eat DoorDash, scroll through social media until you have mental illness, 
and that's fine. We'll deposit money in your account. Am I lying? It's exactly what we did. And so now you got a bunch of fearful, soft uh, beta males who are passive, who are good at sitting on a couch, looking at a phone, downloading porn and eating carbohydrates with mental health, not going to work, and they're at their mother's house. They're over-mothered, under-fathered. A whole generation. They've never seen a dad in the home. They've never seen a man get up and go to work. So they don't understand that that's what a man is and that's what a man does. And the result is now these young men, these young men are just living with their mother in record numbers and not going to work. So what does that mean? Who's providing for them? Their mother. These are 30 year old children. These are 28 year old toddlers. I've been poking these guys for a long time. These are the guys I always say, your mom puts your beer in a sippy cup so you don't spill it on yourself. That's how you live your life. And so what's the goal for those men? Their goal is to live with their mother, to be over-mothered, under-fathered. And there's always a big debate, you know, how long should a mother nurse a child? And I would say 30 seems like a long time. Okay, at some point you gotta feed yourself. And so what we've got then is this whole generation of young men, and hear me, young men, let me put the dad hat on. I love you, I'm worried about you, we need you. And God made you for more than just consuming, but producing. More than just being cared for, and that's caring for others. More than just having your mother tend to you, and that is marrying a woman and helping her to become a mother. And so what these men, these young men are doing, they're living with their mother, they are racking up credit card debt, they are functioning their addictional capacity by constantly consuming without any responsibilities. And then they are not active in the workforce. And so their plan is to find a young woman with a job and an apartment and low discernment and date her and sleep with her until they move in with her. And then all you are doing, you are taking a guy who was over-mothered and then you have his girlfriend replace his mother. That is not a romantic or marital relationship. That is a mother-son relationship. She doesn't wanna marry that guy because she can't depend on him. She doesn't wanna have children with that guy because he doesn't generate any revenue and she doesn't have margin to have children because her boyfriend is her child. She's mothering him. This is the entire generational crisis. And I am telling you, it is the crisis under what is going to be an economic crisis, a cultural crisis, a social crisis, an addiction crisis, and a mental health crisis. If you are a guy who has a lot to do at work, you need to go to bed. You need to be sober when you wake up. You need to have a budget for your income. And all of a sudden you start thinking about what your activity could do for your future. You men have such an opportunity. There are so few good men. There are so few dependable men. There are so few hardworking men. It's an opportunity for those men. For those of you who are young men, let me tell you what I tell my sons. 
Get to work. Get a job, get a second job. Be active. Keep yourself moving and busy. Get married younger. Buy a house sooner. Stay out of debt. Don't wait for the government to rescue you. Don't expect your mother to be your safety net. Stand on your own two feet and be a grown man. And what you will find is it is a dignified thing to be a self-sufficient, decision-making man with responsibility moving forward, being able to be depended upon by others. There's this God-given dignity that just comes with it. There's something about at the end of the day saying, I'm part of the solution, I'm not part of the problem. At least in my realm of responsibility, I am making a difference. And I am a burden lifter, not a burden giver. Guys, I'm telling you, our entire culture is on the brink of total collapse. And it's very simple. Young men are over-mothered, under-fathered. That's the issue. How many of you growing up, every time there was something that was hard, your mom was trying to soften the blow and ease the process. And your dad was like, yeah, they'll figure it out. That's why you need a dad. And what a good man does, he sets an example for his sons. He goes to work, he gets stuff done. He's dependable, he's responsible, he's hardworking. And as a boy grows up and sees that, that's what he aspires to. But here's the problem. Many men don't have a dad. And that's where the church comes in. We're here to fill the gap. God's family makes up for the lack of healthy family. If you're a young guy here, you're like, I don't know how to get a job. Okay, we're here to help. You're like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to generate income. Well, you better figure it out. We're here to help. I don't know how to buy a house and start to procure potential generational wealth. Well, we're here to help. You young men need to know that this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Whatever you didn't get from your dad, there are men here with a father's heart and they wanna help. But you need to be active and we all need to be active. Okay, I, that was a riff. I hope I made my point. Um, 20 minutes later, I'm still on my soapbox, but that's how passionately I feel about it. So let me talk a little bit about God's plan for work and Sabbath. For those of you guys who your proclivity is to do too little, you need to work. For your proclivity, conversely, for some of you, that all you're gonna do is work until you die, you need to understand God's intention. Here's what he says in Exodus 20, it's the Ten Commandments. Remember the what day? That's your day off, that's your break day. Keep it holy, that means set it aside, protect it, guard it. Six days you shall what? Labor, not just sit at a computer and you know, scroll through social media and just steal from your employer, but work, labor. Not just go to work, but get the work done and do all your work. The seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord. On it, you shall not do any work, you, your son, daughter, male servant, female servant, livestock, sojourner or guest who is within your gates. Everybody gets the day off. For, and it goes back to creation. So this isn't culture, this is creation. This is how God set up the world. It's like gravity. If you fight gravity, you hurt yourself. 
right? This is like gravity. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. And so what happens on the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day is where you take a break from your work and you rest and you recover and you replenish. God pours into you. And then the six days of the week, you pour out in your job and areas of responsibility. And where men burn out is they're pouring out what has not been poured in, right? If you don't get your day to recover, then you're going to burn yourself out because you won't have the energy, the margin, the health, the recovery that God intends for you. And so within this, there are different ways to Sabbath. First, you need a Sabbath, a small Sabbath every day. In Genesis, when it explains the days, it says there was evening and morning the first day, evening and morning the second day, evening and morning the next day. So when does the day start? At night. Part of the problem in our Western world, we think that the day starts in the morning. In the Jewish culture, and if you've been to Israel, the day starts at sundown, not sun up, because the day starts with you Sabbathing, having dinner, going to bed, getting sleep, and then going to work. Even in our culture, our mindset is wrong. And that is my day starts in the morning and I go until I'm completely obliterated. And then I crash in bed and get a few hours of sleep at night. God's intent is no, plan your day starting after work. What's dinner look like? What's bedtime routine look like? How many hours do you sleep? And then work. I'm a guy who didn't do this well. I have had some physical problems in the past from just overwork, anxiety, and stress. And I had to realize I need to think of every day, when is my recovery and Sabbath during the day? I probably shouldn't tell this to you. How many hours, how much do you think I sleep? I sleep nine and a half to 10 hours a night. I sleep like a Calvinist on Benadryl on vacation. <laughs> I used to not. But I find that if I work more and sleep less, I'm not more productive. I'm not as focused. I'm not as clear-headed. And I, got, I told you, I got two full-time jobs. I write books, I preach, I teach, I travel. I'm off to Dallas tomorrow. I'm back to preach this weekend. I'm off to LA next week. I'm back off to Houston doing news interviews. I mean, I, I got a life. I got five kids. I got things to do. I get a lot done and I sleep. I sleep. I sleep really good. Like I'm, not to brag, I'm good at it. <laughs> and, I, and I'm very productive. I get a ton done. I have two full-time jobs and five kids and I sleep. But I make my sleep now a priority. I used to say that my sleep was sort of my last to-do list item and there was never anything left at the end of the day. So now I make it my highest priority. I, 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 I sleep. In addition to your daily Sabbath, and I'm not saying you have to sleep 10 hours, but I'm saying if you do, I'll give you the knuckles, praise God, right? Um, and then you need a weekly Sabbath, which is a day off. And then you need an annual series of Sabbath, which is like holidays and vacations and breaks. So every day, you gotta get a break. Every week, you gotta get your day off. And then every, every year, you've gotta get your breaks. Now, that being said, um, here's the question that comes. What day should you Sabbath? 
This is where everybody starts like, I don't know, or we fight over it. Let me say, Romans 14, five and six, one person esteems one day better than another. You're like, my day off is Wednesday. Okay. While another esteems all days alike. Another guy's like, I don't care, whatever day, I have a rotating schedule, it kind of flexes. That's fine, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. In Colossians 2.16, let no one pass judgment on you with regard to a, a Sabbath. So in the Old Testament, what was the Sabbath day? Saturday, Saturday, okay. And then Jesus comes and uh, Jesus raises from the dead on Sunday, okay. So now, so now everything resets with the resurrection of Jesus. It says that he rose, quote, on the first day of the week. The early church met on the first day of the week and the Bible calls this the Lord's day. This was Sunday. So then there was a debate. Uh, the Jews always took a day off on Saturday, but Jesus rose on Sunday. So now the Christians are like, you know what? We're gonna pivot to Sunday uh, because we believe everything gets reset with Jesus. This would have been very difficult because the early church was firstly Jewish. So they were Jewish believers in Jesus, but for them to go from Saturday to Sunday meant they had to change their work schedule, their life. They had to change their family sort of routine and rhythm that had been going for thousands of years, but they did it. So then as the Christian church grows, the debate is, well, do we take Saturday off? It's the Jewish Sabbath, or do we take Sunday off? It's the Christian Sabbath. And then it comes to a guy named Constantine, Roman emperor around 321 AD, and he makes Christianity the legalized state religion. And he says, it's gonna be Sunday. So then we roll forward to the United States of America. We couldn't decide, is it Saturday or Sunday? So guess what we did? We took them both. We took them both. Which means this, the average American who's complaining about work still gets one more day off a week than they should. You're living in a grace, you should be grateful. I take one day off a week, I don't take two. I don't. Um, it's, it's not a legalism for me, it's like, Friday's my day off, that's my day off. Other six days I work and, uh, and that's my routine and that's my rhythm. And if you're given two days off, you're doubly blessed, brother. And if you're single and frustrated, it means you have time for a part-time job in addition to your full-time job. Please put that energy to meet your girl. Just something to pray about, okay? Now, here's the question then, um, what day do you take off? Okay. Does it matter? You'll meet some Christians or some religious people on this that are pretty legalistic. They're like the Seventh-day Adventists. It's Saturday, they're very strict about it. Here's the big idea. Whatever day works for you, that works. Some of you are like, Monday's my day off. Great, take Monday. Thursday's my day off. Great, take Thursday, I don't care. But just make sure it's a Sabbath day. Holy means it's different. It's set apart, it's distinct. So if you're working six days a week, you don't work on the seventh day. If you're constantly answering your calls, texts, and emails six days a week, you're not answering your phone constantly on the seventh day of the week. And so let me say this, some of you men need to know that God treats you better than you treat yourself. Some of you, you get up and you're like, I, I gotta go to work. And, and God is your father. He's like, son, if you don't take a break, you're gonna break. 
You're my son, you're not an animal, you're not a machine, you're a son. And God the Father would tell you, hey son, I took a day off, so take a day off. And I work six days, so work for six. And I'm not saying if you have a seven day week that includes two days off, you're in sin, but if you have two days off, you're blessed. God wants you to not just produce life, but enjoy your life. God wants you not to just generate wealth, but to enjoy it. Not just to buy a home, but take a nap in it, right? Not just feed a family, but go make memories with your wife and kids. And so you don't wanna live to work, you wanna work to live. I'll say it again. You don't wanna live to work, you wanna work to live. So let's just be honest. We studied at the beginning. How many of you guys, you're like, I'm probably better at my day off than I am my work. Okay. How many of you, you're like, if I'm an heir, I'm just gonna keep working. That would be me. So a couple of things. Um, so here's some Sabbath, six Sabbath suggestions. Number one, plan your Sabbath. What happens if you don't plan something? It doesn't happen, okay? Some of you guys have got a job that is hard to schedule. So you may need to schedule your Sabbath day every week. Some of you guys, you've got a rinse and repeat job cycle. Well, okay, then set it. My Sabbath day is Friday. Okay, schedule your Sabbath. In addition, protect your Sabbath. Is, is work always trying to creep in on your day off? Oh yeah. Is work always trying to creep in on your vacation? Totally. Is work always trying to avalanche into your holiday? Yep. So protect it and guard it. And part of this is if you have employees or coworkers, by guarding it, you're teaching them to get organized. What oftentimes happens when you're on a team and you're in a business, these people are disorganized and so their disorganization avalanches into your week. And you teach them, no, no, no. Look, if you wanna talk to me, here's when we meet. I, you know, I, this is my day off. I'm not gonna be living on my phone. I've actually got two phones. One is a work phone, one is a family phone. Uh, on my Friday, my day off where I'm with Grace, and, uh, and I'll talk about this in a moment. What do you do on a Sabbath? Whatever's refreshing, replenishing, whatever rejuvenates you. So on Friday, it's my day off. Um, I really like my wife. And I get really frustrated when her phone or my phone are ringing on my day off. I get very annoyed by that. And so what I do, I have two phones, I have a work phone. On my day off, what do you think I do with my work phone? I this will be crazy, blow your mind. You may not even know this. You can turn it off. You can turn it off or you can leave it in the office or put it in your glove box. And I've got a second phone. The only people that have that phone number are members of my family. It's Grace and the kids. If they want me, I wanna be available. And if they need me, I wanna be available. Because the whole point of my Sabbath is to stop working and enjoy my family. So I wanna be available for my family. So when I go for my hikes in the woods or I take my Bronco up into the mountains, I literally turn my work phone off and I have my my private phone on. That way I'm available to my family, but I'm not available to everybody. 
And there's always gonna be people, and you don't wanna be legalistic about this, and I'll talk about this in a moment, but there's always gonna be people who just are going to continually try and cause their unhealthy life to be adopted by you. Like there's certain people like they will call her, like the other night, I got a text from somebody at 11.47 PM. Like, what are you doing, bro? Plotting your murder. You know, like what? <laughs> Why are you texting me at 11.47 PM? Like, you know, maybe you and your wife are fighting, but we're not. So, you know, I'm not texting you back. And there are people that you'd be like, well, what are you doing on Friday? What's my day off? What's my day off? Oh, good. Well, it's a good time to get together. It's my day off. And some of you are gonna have a hard time with people pleasing or fear of man. This is not about being rude, but this is about saying, you only have so much time, so much energy. And if you don't place it where God intends, you won't have anything left for the people and things that matter the most. It's like your money. You're gonna blow it all at the beginning of the month. And by the end of the month, there's nothing left. Another principle, uh, don't get religious. Jesus says this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The problem what can happen is that people get religious. Let me explain this, when it comes to the Sabbath, here's what Jesus says, there's a man and there's a Sabbath. What he's not saying is the Sabbath rules over the man, that the man rules over the Sabbath. What this means is don't get super religious about your Sabbath. Don't make a lot of silly rules, right? So different guys can do things on their Sabbath. And for some guys, it feels like work. For other guys, it feels like a day off. How many of you, if I made you read a thick book, it would feel like you were at work? Okay, some of you guys haven't read since high school. You should pray about it, it's awesome. But some guys are like, read a book. They're like, ah. How many of you, your day off, you'd love to read a book? Okay. How many of you, you're like, you know what, no, on my day off, I don't wanna read. I wanna go bow hunting. I, I wanna go hiking, I wanna go fishing. You do whatever pours into you, causes you to be healthy, gets you time to become the best version of you. So let me just throw it out there briefly. What do you guys like to do to recover on your day off? You like to rock climb. How many of you guys are like, yeah, that's not me. I'm 85, I don't get off the ground, I'm not doing that. But rock, does rock, is that work? Or is that leisure? Depends on the guy. What else do you guys like to do? You like motorcycles? Wakeboard in Arizona? Can you even do that? The lakes are like seven feet, I mean, it's crazy. What else do you guys like to do? You like to golf, we're in Scottsdale. I'm surprised it took so long to get to golf. What else do you like to do? Tennis. tennis. Pickleball is a big deal now. If you're old, you play tennis, you're young, you play pickleball. Shoot, fish, yard work. Okay, let's talk about that. That's, that's, a, that's a gray area right there. Okay, if you are, let's say your job is you're a landscaper. On your day off, do you wanna do yard work? No. But what if you're an accountant? You wanna, Get your day off and go work in the yard. Can that be leisure? Yeah. And here's what I find. Men who work with their hands sometimes like to Sabbath with their mind. And guys who work with their mind like to Sabbath with their hands. Guys who are accountants or CPAs or engineers, day off, they're like, I wanna go build a deck or go gardening or you know, 
I wanna go do something. Other guys that are like, you know, all week I'm painting houses, I'm landscaping, I'm an auto mechanic. On my day off, I wanna read a book, I wanna study, I wanna do something different. So sometimes what we do for Sabbath is just something different than what we do for our job. Whatever it is, that's fine. How about this? Uh, have a Sabbath heart. Have you ever had a Sabbath day without a Sabbath heart? You took the day off, but you kept thinking about work and stressed and checking email. And how many of you have been on vacation and you had a vacation, but you didn't have a vacation heart? I mean, how many of us have taken our family on vacation, sat at the side of the pool on our laptop? Like you're 10 feet away from enjoying your kids. You're like, oh, dad will be there in a minute. No, dad will never be there because that work will never end. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden. You've been working hard, you're kind of beat up and burned out and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. What Jesus is talking about there is not just a Sabbath day, but a Sabbath heart. Lord, I'm inviting you in, help carry my load, Give me some recovery, strengthen me for the future. I have been very guilty on my day off of not having a Sabbath heart. I'm, I'm making notes, I'm planning, I'm strategizing, I'm, I'm cash flow projecting. I've made this sin part of our vacations. There's been times that I wasn't there really enjoying my wife and kids because I didn't have a Sabbath heart. There's been holidays where I was distracted because I was thinking about work rather than being present for my family. So don't just have a Sabbath, have a Sabbath heart. Last two, learn the difference between time and energy management. What you'll find is it's much easier to manage your time than it is your energy. And in our culture, it's like time management. I agree, time management is important. You know what's more important? Energy management. And the Sabbath will help you to figure out your energy management. How many of you, something doesn't take a lot of time, but it takes a lot of energy, right? How many of you, there's certain people you're like, I talked to them for two minutes and I need a nap. <laughs> like they drain the life force out of me. How many of you there, like the other day, I started putting everything together for my taxes. I felt like I was dying. How many of you, you like doing spreadsheets and numbers? I don't. I think Excel is the Greek word for demon. I'm not a fan of accounting. I will do it, but it feels like I'm at the orthodontist the whole time. There are certain things as a man that you have to do that is just going to drain your energy. And the Sabbath is I'm gonna get my energy back. And what happens is we tend to have a far better understanding of our time than our energy. Like for me, studying energizes me. Like I, if I go into the woods and I read books and I nerd out, like I'm super happy. Um, but if my wife and I are having a conflict, it absolutely drains me. And so it may only be a 15 minute conversation with my lovely wife, but it's very, very draining. And I can spend hours studying and I feel completely refreshed. So what you do in a Sabbath, you figure out what energizes and what drains. And then lastly, do whatever you find restful for recovery. For those of you guys who aren't working, I want you to know that not working is sinning. God made men to work. 
You need to work, it's good for you. It'll give you your strength and your dignity and your self-respect. It'll allow you to stand on your own two feet, make your own decisions, pave your own course, figure out your own destiny, find a girl and love her, buy a house so she can live indoors, find some food, have some kids, pay some bills, make a difference. For those of you guys who work too much, I wanna give you permission to not think that you're tougher than God. If God worked six days and took a day off as his son, you're no tougher than your father. Your father wants you to get that day off. He wants you to rest, he wants you to recover. He wants you to enjoy the life that he has given you. And he wants you to invite him into that enjoyment. I love you guys with all my heart. Most men don't get this right. Most men when they're young work too little. Most men when they're older, they work too much. And then their family struggles and suffers. And I'll just tell you this, man, I'll close with this. I didn't intend to share it. I have been at the deathbed of probably at least a hundred men. I've probably been at the deathbed of around a hundred men. You know what I've never had one man tell me? I've never had one man tell me this, man, I wish I had spent more time at work. Every single man tells me the exact same thing. I wish I would have stopped and enjoyed my life. I wish I would have gotten more time with my wife. I wish I would have read my Bible. <laughs> I wish I would have prayed. I wish I would have went to the cabin that I paid for, but never enjoyed. I wish that I had a better relationship with my kids. I wish that I had a better relationship with my grandkids. I wish that in addition to my fishing pole, I gave one to my grandkid and took him fishing, but I was too busy going to work. I love you guys with all my heart. And I want you to not just live your life, but I want you to enjoy it. And I want God to bless it. Father, thanks for a chance to teach. And God, for men, this strikes at the heart of who we are. Um, God, some of us, we don't work hard enough. We don't work long enough. We don't work strong enough. We don't work efficient enough. Um, God, we're just trying to get by and not trying to maximize our capacity. For those guys, Lord, I pray that they would work more. God, for some of us, we're just overworked, burned out, overextended. God, we are depleted. We're not a good version of ourselves. We're not sleeping enough. We're drinking a lot of coffee. We're taking energy drinks. We've got the mid-afternoon crash. We're self-medicating with carbohydrates and fatty food. And then at night we're stressed. And so we're, we're pouring drinks, just trying to come down from the adrenaline rush. And we're not doing good. Lord, I just pray for wisdom that we would be healthy men, the best version of ourselves. I pray that when it's time to work, we would work wholeheartedly under the Lord. And when it's time to rest, that we would rest wholeheartedly under the Lord. And God, I pray for a wisdom among these men to live in this balance of grace. God, I confess, I'm chief among sinners. I've failed at this a lot. And I'm trying to get better as I get older. I pray that the younger men would learn this sooner. And God, now I pray for the conversations around the tables, the guys who are good at Sabbath, that they would share their wisdom the guys that are good at work, that they would share their wisdom and that we'd be better together and better men because of it in Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Pastor Mark here saying thanks for joining me for this special series of talks at Real Men. Uh, if there's anything we could be praying for, any questions you have, send it to hello at realfaith.com. And if you've got a complaint because you're 
triggered and offended, please send that as well to hello at realfaith.com. We have got a team standing by to delete your comment immediately.